You're listening to Witham's Taxing Topics. When it rains, it pours. Tax regulations and guidance are dynamic, continually changing domestic and international financial waters. Step under Witham's umbrella to better weather the storms of tending taxing topics. We'll share the essential news and information you need to prepare for what's ahead. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Manpreet Sangha, and I am a manager here at Witham in the International Tax Group. Uh, I'm joined today uh, by Marcus with Marcus Dyer, a principal in our tax controversy group. And we're here today to talk a bit um, about the Fari case that was uh, recently ruled on and a bit about 5471 filing requirements. Uh, Form 5471 filing requirements and taxpayers' obligations to disclose foreign shareholdings, foreign assets, and foreign transactions more broadly. So I thought we'd start today talking a bit about Form 5471, um, what it is, why it's required, what information is disclosed on the form, and Marcus, you, you'll talk a bit about the Fari case, and we'll talk a bit about the uh, implications of the ruling and, and where taxpayers uh, should go from here. I'll start talking a bit about Form 5471 and the obligation for U.S. shareholders to disclose their shareholdings in foreign corporations. Um, a foreign corporation is exactly what it sounds like which is a, co a company organized outside of the United States. And U.S. shareholders of those corporations have to disclose their shareholdings on Form 5471. And they also need to disclose transfers to foreign corporations, transfers of cash or property um, on Form 926. So all of these rules are statutorily required. Um, and the Internal Revenue Code sections covering these are 6038, gap A through D, and all the regulations uh, promulgated thereunder. So Form 5471, <clears throat> again, disclosing U.S. shareholders disclosing their shareholdings. Um, there's different categories of filers. And Marcus, I don't know if you want to talk a bit, you know, about categories of filing uh, and, you know, what, what we tend to see uh, taxpayers, you know, needing to disclose, whether it's a wholly owned subsidiary or a U.S. A director of a, of a foreign company um, that may have a, a, another U.S. shareholder that has acquired a shareholding? Yeah, so I, I will uh, uh, touch base on the different uh, 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 categories as uh, the uh, Cork Fari case uh, touches up upon them. I mean, to go into in depth uh, on the uh, on the different categories is beyond uh, the scope of 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 this podcast. But uh, suffice to say, uh, the type of category filer you know one is uh, is impacted by the the, uh, the Fari case. Great, great. So so again, U.S. shareholders, um, whether you're invested in a foreign company, uh, invested in a foreign partnership. Or you know have have a have a branch in a in a foreign foreign country, uh, you likely have a disclosure and information reporting um, disclosure requirement. So that that's just to set the table here, um, and maybe we can we can move over to the actual case, Marcus, and you can talk a bit about the the, the facts of the case, um, the 
law that was applied and you know it really kind of focused us in on on this statutory um assessment of the ten thousand dollar penalty all right manfred glad to uh talk about uh the ferry case and thank you for that uh, general background uh fari is a case about an individual uh taxpayer uh who uh, failed to file his uh his uh required 54 uh, 71s he failed to do it for for several tax years fire is however about the worst plaintiff imaginable um however from 2003 through 2010 he owned a hundred percent of a foreign corporation i believe you know called katumba capital is incorporated in belize and then from 2005 through 2010 he owned 100% of another foreign corporation, I believe, called Morningstar Ventures, again, incorporated in, in Belize. And uh, during these tax years at issue, uh, the petitioner, uh, Fari, participated in an illegal scheme to reduce the amount of income tax that he owed, and, and he admitted to this. Uh, and, and for each year at issue that he was required to file, Form 5471. He did not. Uh, on February 9th of 16, the IRS, you know, mails to him a notice of his failure to file these required forms. So all he's got to do is do it now, right? Do 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 it then. But he still didn't file them. So un unsurprisingly, for each year at issue, the Afari's uh, failure to file was deemed willful and not due to will to reasonable cause. And and as a result. The IRS assessed an initial penalty under Section 638B. That's 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 an important point there. Imposed under Section 638B of $10,000 for each year at issue. In November 12, 2018, they assessed what's called a continuation penalty. Okay, so if you're notified, as you know, Manfred, and 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 still don't comply, there's more significant penalties that are imposed. And That's again, right. this is under Section 638B, okay, continuation penalty here, uh, totaling $50,000 for each year at issue. Okay, then the government follows its standard operating procedure. You know, once it assesses, it wants to do what? It wants to collect the tax. And it attempts to do this by way of levy. Fari pumps the brakes here. He says, whoa, wait a minute. You know, you know, and and, uh, he's, and he challenges this collection action that, that the government is taking in court. But rather than make the typical argument that you make in these cases, you know, and claim that, that the uh, government's collection actions are cruel or severe or harsh, uh, Fari contends through his, his counsel that the IRS doesn't have the statutory authority to impose and thus collect the penalty. The argument goes that uh, although the IRS um, uh, um, imposed the filing requirement under 60 38A, which which is fine and legitimate. They argue the penalty provision there, they impose the penalty under 6038B, and they do that without the statutory uh, and, uh, um, authority to assess and collect. And the court agrees with Fari's argument, and, uh, and thus, according to the court, the government does not have the uh, statutory authority to assess, and because it does not have the statutory authority to assess, it does not have statutory authority to collect. And there's the whole statutory, you know, you know, scheme, you know, by which you know the government can assess taxes. Again, beyond beyond the scope, but just suffice to say, 
if the penalty is imposed under 638B, the court saying you do not have authority, the government to assess, and thus you cannot collect. And, and Marcus, maybe I'll jump in there. So, so 6038 has been around for a while, right? It's you know probably been on the books for let's let's call it 50 years. Um, so this isn't this isn't a new provision. This isn't a new requirement. This isn't uh, out of the blue. Um, similarly, the, the penalty provision has been around for for just as long. So I, I think it's you know only in the past decade or maybe two uh, that these these notices and you know penalties have have been pursued by the IRS because again it's it's quite simple. The, these um, filings are being overlooked quite often. Um, in fact, you know many practitioners may even still be unaware uh, of the of the requirement to file these these information returns. So the the fact that this argument is only being raised now is what I find incredibly um, interesting about this this case. We've all probably, you know, those in this in the cross-border tax field uh, have probably wanted to raise this argument, but luckily Faris Council went through with it. And it really lends itself to the question. Well, I guess the, the the first question is, do you agree with the ruling, Marcus? Yeah, yeah, I I I do. I I follow the court's you know rationale. And and to your point, Manfred, you know we've uh, may have had you know you know questions about this, and and we've gone along for years. But um, this is actually the argument that Fari's attorney makes is actually not new. The taxpayer advocate. Um, actually alerted has alerted the Congress uh, to to, uh, to this fact. I think as as, as recent as as 2020, you know, questioning the IRS's statutory authority. Uh, the uh, Congress has not acted, and uh, and the IRS has continued to you know pursue this uh, uh, this enforcement um, uh, mechanism here, but uh, things came finally came to a head, and 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 Fari finally we had a I guess a taxpayer willing to, you know, advance the argument before the court. Right, right. So, so I guess then the the next question becomes, well, where do taxpayers go from here, right? Because in this setting, you know, I, I've seen these penalties assessed, um, particularly when uh, taxpayers are trying to come clean with their with their reporting, and you know. Whether it's a, a streamlined program or or delinquent information return program, uh, because the IRS has has a few programs that taxpayers can can um, avail themselves of, uh, these penalties are they they are generated by the IRS's computer system, seemingly as a matter of course. So I'm sure there are a lot of taxpayers out there that have received this notice, and you know some either pursued reasonable cause sort of you know a reasonable cause sort of argument um but i'm sure that there are many taxpayers out there that simply paid it uh thinking that you know it was, it was rightly assessed and they failed to meet their filing obligation and it's right in a statute right you can't that you can't really statutes are are not the easiest to contend right it's not a treasury regulation it's not it's not an agency's interpretation it's just it's right there so i guess the next question then becomes, well, where do taxpayers go from here? Particularly, you know, the ones that may have got that letter in 2016 and simply paid their penalty. 
um, or those that received it in 2021 and might, might still be holding on to it, or even those that received it after the, the ruling was issued. What, what should taxpayers be thinking about now? Because again, this, this ruling doesn't mean that you don't need to file your Form 5471 or the wide variety of other information returns that are required for, for cross-border disclosures. But what should taxpayers be thinking about that may have received this letter, have previously received it, um, or may receive it in the future? Yeah, great, uh, great, great, great question, uh, Manfred. And there's so much to unpack here. And first, I'd like to start with uh, one of the latter points you made, and and that is that you know taxpayers, you know, still have an obligation to file 5471. And and yeah, and that's and 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 that's generally true, right? I mean, the court didn't challenge the, the uh, IRS's authority, you know, to uh, uh, um, demand, you know, the taxpayers you know, file, you know, form 5471 or disclose, you know, their interests in a foreign, in a foreign corporation. Um, that, that, that's not being uh, um, contested. You know, the question is, what can the IRS do about it if, if there isn't, if there isn't compliance? That, that's really the issue. And one of the things that the government could do is they could file a civil suit um, to, uh, that's something that the court mentioned, uh, you know, as, as, as a means of enforcement. So, uh, it's much less likely the IRS would would go that far, uh, but so that that obligation is still there. And and having said that, if taxpayers have you know you know figured that um, there was uh, legitimate grounds to um, impose and collect the penalty, and they did you know pay it, uh, you know the question I get is you know are we all going to get you know refunds, or is the IRS going to just start uh, you know uh, shipping out uh, refunds? And, and the answer to that is no. You're 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 not slated to get uh, you know you're not slated to get refunds. And um, and thus what you need to do, in my view, is to uh, you know to contest the the, the penalty. If uh, you can file a claim for a refund, now the IRS will likely uh, not uh, you know grant your request uh, currently. Because the IRS has not agreed with the tax court's position, I think it's important to understand that the IRS does not have to comply with the tax court ruling because the IRS still has the power to appeal the court's decision. And until the IRS does that, until the IRS either consents to the um, the determination or exhausts its appeal rights, you know, the 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 IRS can continue uh, its its uh, its enforcement, or or it will continue uh, its 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 enforcement as as if the the ruling were never uh, you know were never handed down, and and theoretically the, the IRS could take this all the way up all the way up to the Supreme Court, and uh, and and that that can take a a, a long time. You know, to give you an example, there's a recent uh, tax court case that went before the Supreme Court that was uh, that 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 uh, was somewhat similar um, in, in terms of it, it in, in involved the IRS taking enforcement actions, and that's the case of Boschler PC v. Commissioner. And from the date of the of the um, of the action by the IRS to the to the time that this case got to the Supreme Court, like over seven years elapsed. So that gives you kind of a, a frame of reference there for, for how long it can take. So, that, so, that, so, so there's a long time. 
And uh, and so if a taxpayer you know gets a penalty that's assessed, I would say that they should you know challenge that penalty. I would certainly you know raise the Fari case, but realize that that's not binding on the IRS at this point. And I wouldn't thus I wouldn't hang my hat on that on the right. Fari case. Right. I would argue reasonable cause uh, if uh, if that's available. Obviously that wasn't available for Fari, but uh, if that's available in your case, I, I I would make that argument and assume that nothing's going to change until the the IRS either consents to the term to, to the judgment to the termination, or it um, or it uh, uh, exhausts all of its appeal all of its appeal rights. Right, right, and, and I think it's important to point out why reasonable cause wasn't available to Far is because the the violation was willful, right? The right. the omission the omission was willful. Um, so you know he wasn't you know the most sympathetic plaintiff, but he he prevailed. So you know it. It seems like taxpayers are are still left holding the bag in a way. Um, it's not it's not a clean cut ruling in everybody's favor. It's also not entirely clear how far this extends, right, Marcus? Like they, these penalties are assessed across a variety of forms. In fact, even with a 5471, a penalty can be assessed only for a Schedule M or an omission of a Schedule O. So. You know, you run into these issues of like, well, how far does this extend? So, do you have any thoughts around that? Yeah, yeah, and actually, the court, you know, the the court uh, ruling even uh, speaks to that, and and so we we cannot even say, you know, to, to the point, you know, to your point, Manfred, that this applies to all, you know, fifty four seventy ones. I mean, if you're certain, you know, category filer a fifty four seventy one, this ruling you know, does not apply and, uh, and applies to others. And, and there are uh, other um, forms um, that are, uh, that this ruling would apply to outside of 5471, you know, foreign uh, reporting forms, such as forms under 5472, 8938, you know, nine, you know, 26, and in some instances under certain categories, you know, form, you know, 8865 uh, uh, and and so um, and, and so those and so, so so some of those things you you're, you're going to see you know, probably additional challenges uh, under the same theory for some of those same uh, uh, filers but but you know having said that you have to be you know careful because the court ruling does not apply under in the case of category 2 or category 3 form 50 for 71 filers. It does not apply to forms 3520 parts 1, 2, and 3 or parts 3520A. And, and those are, I was just going to say, those are related to foreign trusts, right? Receipt of property. And so you might have, you know, people that are, you know, in the U.S. Um, receiving distributions from a foreign trust that really, you know, may not even think that that's something that needs to be disclosed. So, you know, the, this it's so far reaching across so many so many information disclosures um and it's not even necessarily about paying a tax right like a, a form 5471 there may not even be a tax due um as a result of of the non-us operation or the, the from the you know non-us company um it's just a, a reporting disclosure so so i think that's that's important to highlight too 
Well, that's exactly right. There is, there's not a, this is not necessarily associated with a tax. It's, it's just a penalty. Uh, it's a disclosure penalty of a position in, in, in a foreign corporation that, that these things, uh, that these things all go to. Uh, it's, it's not about a loss of revenue uh, for the, uh, uh, for, you know, for the government. Uh, so, right, um, right. so, but, so I guess, Marcus, you know, where, where do we go from here? Do we just hang tight for seven years while this makes its way through the courts? Do we, you know, it, how can this be interpreted in a meaningful way um, that, you know, taxpayers can take an actionable item, whether that's, you know, again, dusting off an old penalty that they may have paid or, you know, figuring out well, whether they're they're omitting any filings as well, right? That that should always be part part of the action plan. But you know, what else should ta taxpayers be taking away from all this um, while we figure out whether or not it's going to be uh, the ruling is going to be appealed and and just how far the IRS will take it? Or you know, if Congress acts, right? This can this is a, seems like a simple fix uh, if some congressional action is taken. Although I don't know how likely that is. Um, but but where, where do we go from here? Right. So what I, I would recommend is is to be proactive. Uh, with with these, if you uh, if paid the tax, I'm sorry, paid the penalty, file a claim for a refund. Uh, it's again, it's 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 likely to be denied or file a, for a protective claim. Okay, that's uh, you, you know, there's a statute of limitations of assessment, you know, for refunds. I don't necessarily know this would fall under that, but who knows what argument the IRS you know tries uh, to make. Uh, so I would. I would do that. I, I would ask for the money back if if it if it were paid. Don't count on uh, the uh, interpretation, which I think is a smarter interpretation of the IRS. If if the uh, if this ruling is upheld at the at the appellate level, that the IRS you know will be automatically uh, send out refunds to everyone who paid it. I, again, I think a strong argument can be made. The IRS has to do that, but I'm just not so sure that 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 uh, argument uh, will uh, will carry the day. So I, I would I would recommend doing that. You know, even if you just file a claim for a refund, uh, if you get assessed a penalty, challenge it, challenge it on the basis of of reasonable cause. Also cite the Ferry case. Just don't hang your just don't hang your hat. Uh, on on the ferry case, so I, I'd be you know you know very proactive here and very hopeful that uh, we'll get some relief either at the congressional you know level or the IRS will concede the case or the IRS will go ahead and start start working its way up through uh, appeals and uh, in the lower in the lower court ruling uh, will be upheld. Okay, I think I think that's a reasonable approach. Um, Given where we are, maybe the IRS will issue some guidance on this. Who knows? Um, it, this could go in many different directions. So, so I think it's important for, again, as you said, taxpayers and and tax professionals um, to just be proactive about this. Think about where it may have impacted um, yourself or your clients. Um, and of course, you know, Marcus and I are always here to help uh, and and analyze your facts and and figure out. Uh, good path forward um, on matters like these. So with that, I just want to thank you today for listening in and have a, have a nice rest of your day. 
You've been listening to Witham's Tax and Topics. Contact us with your feedback or suggestions for future podcast topics. Visit www.witham.com for additional information. Send an email to info at witham.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Witham CPA. Thank you for listening.